sure if this is a regular or bonus episode of the lines and by donkeys podcast told me this was a bonus does that help uh i uh, schedules change i don't know we'll find yeah, out yeah. yeah i get it i get it i uh i record everything ahead of time especially because i'm moving soon so it's just like oh joe are you moving soon yeah so i am simply recording the scripts that i have written and I will then schedule them uh, to Nate at a later at a later time, and that is what will become a bonus. Uh, the only for sure bet as a series will not become a bonus because that's it's just not how those work. Uh, Liam, how do you feel about pirates? Uh, I I you know I know they're they're sort of a problematic fave. Uh, All of our problematic I, faves are getting in trouble these days. But I uh, I'm a I dude when I was a kid. I wanted to be a pirate so fucking bad. I kind of still want to be a pirate so fucking bad. Like th- that really hasn't changed to be quite honest with you. I will say of of all of the things that we've ever dreamed of being, I think I I feel very safe saying we've both technically been pirates. Like oh, we've yeah. both stolen music. Yeah, yeah. That's a civil crime. That's not criminal. That's civil uh, not criminal. I mean, I think if you steal enough of it it's criminal. I stole a vending machine once. <laughs> okay so you're a candy pirate that's a pirate well Lion, yeah. lions led by candy pirates was it a candy vending machine or was it a chip vending machine this, this difference is important to uh, me. Nah, nah, candy dude well candy and chips oh it's a twofer so you're you're a multifaceted pirate take that somalia you're just going yeah. after tankers and shit <laughs> Yo, can you imagine it, there's a bunch of somali pirates like hijacking like a container ship or whatever and it's just me being like do you guys have snacks <laughs> i will i will let you go for the price of three of those big bags of fritos i'm just envisioning uh the last like government office that i worked at at like the uh, the windward uh hawaii uh, uh school district and i'm going to the monster vending machine and like a rowboat rips off the beach and somalians get up and steal my fucking vending machine and scamper <laughs> out like huh all right how are you guys even gonna fit it on that boat <laughs> hey look i i respect the hustle you know the scene from the the you ever see the shitty remake of the italian job with like mark Wahlberg? no because i was warned okay i well i've seen it uh i'm aware of it like on, I'm the, aware. on the flight to visit you uh i watched it and uh Oh, God, what terrible airline still has that as a movie? Uh, American. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no no seatback screens. You got to bring your own device on two six-hour flights. But, you know, champions That's of the sky. terrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but they, like, blow a hole so the, so the safe goes, like, right through multiple floors and uh, into, like, the bottom of the Venice Canals. And uh, that's how I picture Somali pirates stealing a, a vending machine. Just Hell straight yeah. down to the bottom, whatever, speedboat cracking in half. Taking the Pepsi guy hostage. Um, oh, man, don't do that. He's, he's, he's a worker. Yeah, they're union, I think. I think Pepsi's union. Uh, someone's probably be like, actually, that's Coke. Whatever. Yeah, well, Coke um, funded death squads in Nicaragua in the 80s, so let's all, let's all at chill. At this point, who hasn't? <laughs> yeah. Uh, stay tuned for our upcoming series on the Lions Led by Donkeys Death Squads. Yeah, uh, I mean, it'll be the it'll be crowdfunded at least. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's been like Chiquita, there's been Coca Cola, there's been Ford. 
There's been others. Even Joe live from the front lines of whatever conflict. <laughs> it's just me hiding behind you. Recording from a non-disclosed bush somewhere. <laughs> I don't want to die. I don't want to die for 60 minutes. <laughs> Um, now the reason why I, I, I asked you about pirates is we were talking about a pirate war. Um, kind of like, right, it's I'm not, let's do this. It's not like the Caribbean pirates. Oh, when I say the U S is something of a history of fighting a lot of wars, um, far from its borders for, um, uh, less than ideal reasons. Most people probably think. I talk about the immediate, like, lived history of, like, our immediate family, right? Like, us, depending on how old you are, of course, like, you, your, your, your parents, their, your grandparents have seen, assuming you're American, too, um, have, have seen the United States engaged uh, in a lot of really fucked up shit uh, over the years. And uh, some people will say that uh, this is a rather new feature of American history, generally after the U.S. emerged as a superpower uh, in the ruins of uh, World War II. That's not entirely true either, as we've, yeah. as, we've as we have talked about on the show. Yeah, uh, does, does the phrase "punitive expedition" mean anything to you? Right. Uh, we've, we've had a couple of those. Uh, we've had a Spanish-American and a Philippine-American war. Uh, there's been other wars we have yet to get to. Um, just, I don't know why I'm saying this like it's a job interview. Bear with us. We will get to all the wars. Yeah, I mean, technically, as long as people keep listening to the show, eventually I will talk about all of history forever. That's um, actually my favorite thing you say. Like, on a long enough timeline, I'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, much, much more likely is I just die first. But, like... <laughs> yeah, you gotta stop smoking, Joe. I need you to cut me those checks every month. Don't smoke. I simply drink terrible beer. Uh, now, I, when I drink I enough terrible beer, I, I, I do I, smoke. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I am solidly in the camp of when I get drunk, I will smoke and do random drugs that people give me because I am what's known as a responsible adult. No camel, everybody. <laughs> Now, obviously, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, ye old uh, crimes of empire. Uh, obviously, we just got done doing a series on that. Uh, but with the U.S. also has a lot of pre-superpower bullshit on the books as well. And I, I, I feel safe comparing uh, or talking about these Spanish-American and Philippine-American wars as being um, not superpower bullshit, but imperial bullshit. Like imperial America bullshit, certainly sure, was not sure, a superpower yet. No, um, but like regional power at the very least and using powers it had to do with imperialism. Yeah, no, all by yeah, that. Yeah. And I mean, those were all part of uh, a very long series of different policies because there was a type of American that wanted to leave isolationism and join the big kids power, uh, the big kids club of world power with like, you know, the British, the French, and then the Germans. Can you go into that a little more? Because like what I was taught sort of in school was basically we were an isolationist power you know, isolationist, obviously, it's sort of couched in relative terms uh, that right. wanted nothing to do with the powers that be of Europe. So was there like an actual like undercurrent of like, no, like, let's say postbellum America, like we want to be at the big kids table, too? Or like, I understand. Oh, God, like, yeah. OK, like Monroe Doctrine, I understand that. But like, is there anything beyond that? Uh, there, there was definitely a group of people. I, mean, I say group of people, like it was some kind of like secretive group. But I mean, there was 
certainly politicians and presidents who thought that America desperately needed an overseas empire to, to hang out with their friends in Europe. Um, now, I think uh, a lot of people see American isolationism as this idea that we weren't going to leave continental North America, the United States. It's not really what that meant. American isolationism was more like we're not going to get involved in European affairs, um, militarily, okay. of course. But we still wanted to play the big boys club. Yeah, we wanted our own empire on this side of the pond. Like right. American isolationism okay. involved a whole lot of invasions. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, That's on our side of the pond, you know? Right. But it was sort of leave Europe to the Europeans and also we'll just be taking Panama now, thanks. Yeah, kind of. Like too long okay. didn't read version. Yeah. It was gotcha. like, yeah, I don't want to get involved in a land war between like France and Germany, but also, hey, let's invade the Philippines or whatever, you know? I think the the isolationist period is certainly termed as isolationist simply because we weren't shooting other white people, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, okay, that know. makes sense. I personally, I think it's a lot of undercurrent that survives from early history study. Um, it desperately needs a uh, uh, kick in the ass. One might say it needs to be updated. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is a good example of one of the things, uh, though, this is definitely not a uh, an imperial ambition. There was no conquering going on here because uh, we were talking about the first Barbary War. All I know about this is uh, we got mad at pirates and Jefferson yes. sent in the boys and we and we. Did some more? That's literally all I know. I know the fifteen yeah, second version. You nailed it, kind of. I, all so right, podcast I, over, everybody. <laughs> uh, go buy, go shop at our Teespring store. Uh, fuck Rick, Rick Snyder, and uh, we'll see you next week. That motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it's interesting because for such a short, pointless war, it carries a lot of mythos over to the modern day in American military history. From the halls of Montezuma to the to the shores, shores of, Tripoli. of Tripoli, yeah, yeah that, that's hey. where that comes from for a battle that meant literally nothing, yeah. Uh, but we will, of course, talk about the Battle of Derna, uh, which is where that comes from. This war was, like I said, uh, you know, only about twenty years after the American Revolution, uh, before anybody could mistake the United States as as a world military power or even really a regional military power. Um, it involved sending the brand new U.S. Navy clear across the, the globe, landing some fucking Marines in North Africa, and technically fighting an undeclared war against the Ottoman Empire, which... Hey. <laughs> yeah, I always support that. <laughs> take your, your 1800s AUMF and shove it up your ass. <laughs> so... The first Barbary War uh, had a lot. There's a lot more leading to it than war itself. Uh, and to get to that point, we have to talk about something generally known as the Barbary States. Though this is not a actual unified political entity, though it kind of functionally Joe, is it a was pirate colony. Joe is it a no, pirate colony? I oh, wish it's not that cool. My heart, Joe. So. They were kind of, sort of, but not really independent uh, Ottoman provinces of Algiers, Tunis, and Tripoli, and the fully independent Sultanate of Morocco, um, who was also very influenced by the Ottoman Empire. Um, technically, the Ottomans were in control of all of them, though... How? I mean, that's a pretty... That's a not insignificant distance. Uh, the Ottoman Empire was fucking huge. Uh, yeah, I know that, but I'm I'm thinking is my timeline off that I'm thinking by 1800 the Ottoman Empire is starting to show cracks pretty hard. 
Oh, before then, uh, you okay. you could argue that the 1700s were truly when like it was in terminal decline, uh, solidly sticking maybe their whole foot past their toes into the sick man of Europe pool. Uh, but even really in the best of times, they were not the best at centralizing government rule or control, um, which is probably why for the longest time this empire worked. If you paid your taxes and levied conscripts when they asked, they just fucked off and let you. You were good to go, baby. Got it. Now, of course, your experience may vary if you're an ethnic minority. Ask millions of families. But if you were not an ethnic minority um, and you had money and influence and paid your shit on time and and towed the the caliphate line, you're good to go. They did not give a shit. What I mean. It was it was two parts. One, they didn't give a shit that these states were conducting international piracy, which reflected badly on the Ottoman Empire. But also, they were also making money from that. On top of, they oh, didn't I assume are they really have of the mark? ability. Are we talking um, privateers? Are we talking like straight up no holds barred piracy? Both. We're, we're, oh, we're cool. talking both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is why between Morocco and the Ottomans, nobody really cared uh, when the. The main economic driving force and, you know, and by proxy in local politics in the region became a this weird combination of protection rackets, widespread kidnapping and ransom and a bustling slave trade. Gotta tell you, I never want to hear the phrase bustling slave trade. Oh, boy. The biggest outside of the Western world by far. (laughs) Great. Of course, there's there's a difference here. We'll talk about the kind of slavery. Um, this is a little different than the kind being practiced in North America at the time, and also the what the rest of Europe really. Um, now, uh, of course, if you are doing you know comparatively billions of dollars in piracy and slavery, that will benefit the Ottoman Empire, and it's not like that shit was illegal there either. Uh, so they didn't care if you were snatching slaves from, uh, let's say. Eastern Anatolia or from a passing ship. They did not give a fuck. Um, This is often framed as they didn't care because the people they were targeting were not Muslim. That's also not true. They were totally fine enslaving Muslims too. Uh, However, it's often framed that way for politics. Now I can't believe the slavers were morally bankrupt, Joe, right? Shocking. Uh, It's, it's like often said that the, uh, the Ottomans used uh, religion to do some really fucked up shit, namely, you know, slavery and genocide. And that's true. Like they, one of the reasons that they enslaved people off of uh, captured ships from like, you know, the United States, France or England is like, well, you're Christians. We can do whatever we want with you. Sure. However, they're also enslaving a shitload of Muslims. Uh, way more Muslims were enslaved by the Ottoman Empire than, than Christians by like three to one. So like. The, that, the, that the political or religious acts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not great. It's not good. It, generally, whenever a uh, you know a theocracy flicks their religion to do awful things, the main target of those awful things are their own people. Ten times out of ten. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's almost like theocracy is a bad form of government. Huh, that's crazy. I know. I know. Uh, hot take. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Well, luckily we don't have to worry about anything like that, Joe. Nope. No. Oh, God. This is going to age badly. I'm not saying shit. Uh, Whenever I say anything, it comes true. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm turning the lathe back in. Now, uh, just because that the Ottoman Empire was cool with that did not mean that piracy was not a huge fucking problem in the Mediterranean. 
because the Mediterranean was a very large shipping route. Uh, because, yeah, of course it was. That's why there's pirates there in the first place. It's not like, I don't know, pirates hang out the local river when no shipping comes through. Like, they hang out in an area for a reason. Um, uh, does the phrase death canoe mean anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just envisioning someone setting up a pirate fleet on, like, Lake Superior or something. <laughs> like, all the shipping. I have a song for you, Joe. It's called The Last Saskatchewan Pirate. You should listen oh. to it after we're done recording this. I thought you were going to go with Gordon Lightfoot's uh, Ballad of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> no, I, uh, obviously, certified hood classic, but no. It's a, it's a banger. Slaps. Uh, I had to sing it in school. Did you really? Yeah, and I'm nowhere near like Superior. Like, I just, Yo, okay. not even I just remotely want to close. put out an announcement. If you could track down the video of Joe Kasabian singing the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald for school, I will pay you 500 US dollars. And I can say in good authority, it exists because I remember I got suspended for it. Well, I, I need to hear that story. We were being recorded. This is, oh boy, mid 90s, mid to late 90s. So was, yeah, I'm old. Leave me alone. Um, I was wearing like a very ill fitting shirt because like I wore my brother's hand me downs. And at the end of our singing, the, uh, the teacher instructed like all the men to bow and all the women to curtsy. And I curtsied because I thought it was funny. And I got suspended. <laughs> it's a pretty weak justification. And also uh, very on brand for me, quite yeah, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, now, is, uh, in the beginnings, in the beginning, the pirates in the Barbary Coast would like launch out of ports from Algiers, uh, Sol- I think it's pronounced Soleil, Rabat, and Tunis, and, or Tripoli, aboard really small boats known as dows. Now, these were like shore boats. Like, they're not going to go out and pirate in the open ocean or anything. However, that would change because, you know, with these small dows, they would eventually catch, you know, one or two or three of larger boats, uh, which they could then, you know, put guns on and then go into the open ocean. Oh, sure. and pirate okay. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right. yeah. Really picking yourself up by your pirate straps here. Hear me out. What we do is we take Johnny's boat and we take Mike's boat and we glue them together. And then what we do is we put a gun on it. Ultra boat. That's right. Uh, I mean, this is just the, uh, the Megazord, but for pirate ships, which again, that would rock. That would rock pretty hard. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yep. Uh, Disney, call me. These larger ships would also like they're pirates. They're not. A, it's not a navy. Um, it's a lot like we talked about before, where it's like they're doing things that are tactically sound for them. Like they're not going to go slug it out with a well-armed ship and a convoy or something. That's fucking stupid. So they, you know, if your your ship drifted away from the rest of the herd, uh, much like watching the Discovery Channel, the weak one would get picked off and, you know, dragged in. Eaten by sharks. Yeah. Now, if you happen to be like an officer on the ship, like a captain uh, or some important business guy, you'd get ransomed off because you're worth a lot of money. Oh, of course. If you were, say, you know, you or me, slavery, baby, 10 times out of 10. Oh, no, that's not where I want to go. I've seen thoroughly modern Millie, man. Yeah, if you were like uh, just a random crewman on the ship, man, that's a ticket to Slave Town. Now, some of these guys were impressed into the slaver crews, not in like, ah, we'd like the cut of your jib when you sword fought us on the deck or whatever. Like, you'd go row in the fucking galleys, which is one of the worst jobs in history. One day we'll have to do like a whole episode how awful being on an old ship oh, was. Yeah, that would be, I would really like to do that. But like being a rower in the galley, like you oh, literally got rowed to death. <laughs> yeah. 
No, like certain death. Other people were sold into other slave markets. Uh, then obviously the, the weapons and the ships themselves were stolen, though sometimes they sold those as well, depending if they needed them. Um, over like their couple years of operation, their, their slave trade was huge. According to Robert Davis, who is a PhD in pre-modern Mediterranean history at John Hopkins, over 1 million people were taken by slaves by the Barbary states alone between the 16th and the 19th centuries. Did you say a fucking million? Yeah, yeah, a million people. <laughs> that is like several times their own population in the same time. It's pretty impressive. Um, if you're gonna, you don't have to hand it to slavers, but like, I guess go big or go home. But at some point, are you not worried about mouths to feed? No, like, of course where, not. Where you just put die. all these fucking people. Yeah, good point. <laughs> they'll get more slaves, obviously. No, I need to talk a little about the slave system here. Um, obviously, at the same time, the United States had a massive slave economy as well. Uh, but this was not chattel slavery like we had in the United States. Um, these people were not born and bred into slavery. Um, they were not considered a um, a lower class. Uh, there wasn't a race system in place in this. It didn't matter if you're black, brown, white. You, was it the same Arab. thing like it, your, your um, descendants were enslaved too? Or is that different? Or... It depended. There, there was no solid slave law okay. here. Oh, um, got it. Okay, okay. It was you could get your freedom. Um, you could like literally, you could get money while you were enslaved. Save your money and buy your own freedom. Your freedom could be awarded to you. It was actually. I'm not saying this is a good thing. Slavery in all forms is, you know, evil as shit. Thanks for clarifying, Joe. I. You can't be too safe here, all right? Uh, it was more akin to Roman slavery, uh, where you know, there were some of these slaves worked their way up pretty fucking high into local government and were free. So it, it was really weird. Uh, though, obviously, uh, this is not a universal thing. Um, just like all slavery is, is even worse than regular slavery if you have like a really shitty slave owner. Um, so Sure. Sure. You know, it, it's not a, it's not a episode of Lions Live by Donkeys. Joe rationalizes slavery. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, we don't know. Canceled. <laughs> like, we don't know all these guys on these boats. Some of those guys may have deserved it. Um, but like, it, it was it was a different kind of slavery, which matters because we're going to talk about shit that happens that really does not make sense. Because when you say obviously is two Americans uh, with American centric points of view, when we think of slavery, we think of our slave history, which is significantly different than most places. So like when like later on, for instance, like these slaves were not only allowed to, but encouraged to send letters back home. Why? And they were not censored. Like the Ottoman authorities encouraged them like, no, tell them how bad being a slave is. What? Why? Because they wanted, they wanted a ransom. It was worth more money. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, no, I just, I was totally confused with that because I, I just had, I mean, that was just so baffling me. Okay, thanks, yeah. Y'all. When you compare it to like American slavery history, it's, it's obviously way different. And also, it's ironic that we go to war over this uh, slavery when you know we have a country based on slavery. No, yeah. we're a nation of liberators. We're the city on the hill, Joe. Duh. A nation of liberators. <laughs> Your experience may vary. Now, the Algiers pirates uh, eventually amassed a navy of around 100 ships and 10,000 men. Now, of course, the term navy 
And uh, I'll, I'll call this a sea militia because uh, the uh, Navy imparts uh, some kind of organization training and whatever. But, you know, uh, at least 25% of the entire population of the city was directly involved in the piracy industry. Did you say fucking 25%? Yeah, it was a oh lot. My God, oh, my God. What's, what's the city's population again? Sorry. It's pretty high. Uh, like, it's not a small town. Talking like hundred thousand, maybe less, more. I think a couple more. Okay, that's very fucking alarming. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention that means that functionally the entire economy, local economy, is based on piracy. You can't have twenty five percent of people yeah, employed I, in I an industry. Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Joe. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> this is literally just uh, the auto industry, but Algiers is pirates. <laughs> you know. It's like you know, the, the Motor City of piracy, and also, I assume, not doing great, like the Motor City of Motor City. Now, other cities had thousands of their own pirates and dozens, if not hundreds, of their own ships as well. Collectively, their navy was larger than the Ottoman Empire's. <laughs> so that's kind of fun, which also goes to explain that there could be no possible enforcement here. Um, they, they've, they've rapidly outgrown any enforcement ability at all. That explains cool. why they, they're no, running good. rampant. Yeah. That's and also, good. I need to point out, significantly bigger than the United States Navy, which simply did not exist yet. Yeah, we have a sea militia. We, have yeah, we truly have a boats. sea militia. Yeah. We, we're like, these fishermen are also good with muskets. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Mike, and this is his friend Mike, and, and this is their farmer cousin, John, and that's our Navy. I found a large colony of these people in Boston. I think we should arm them <laughs> and give them, a, like, I don't know, arm their crabbing Go vessels. Celtics! Just screaming at some 18th century pirate ghost Celtics talking about how Tom <laughs> Brady was, wrong, was wrongfully uh, fucked over by the league. So it's some, like, cannoneer from the 1700s explaining to people why the balls weren't really deflated. First, a okay. Uh, no, we'll get into that off. off no, we're, we're, no, no. Well, Fuck you. Every, we're moving on. <laughs> okay. Uh, at, actually, you see, uh, Muhammad, the, Bowls, the, uh, the, the, the guy I've captured while at war in North Africa. Uh, it's fine when the owner of my football team uses sexual slavery uh, because he's successful. Eventually, some states kind of saw the use for these pirates, like you kind of talked about privateers. Uh, you get letters of Mark. Uh, during you know times of war to attack your enemies and then you know leave me alone. Um, even the Ottomans did this. Like their own ships were not free of being preyed on by these guys um, because again, twenty five percent of Algiers is employed on a pirate ship. No, I don't know. Greeks floated by. Well, Greek was uh, Greece was part of the Ottoman Empire too. Um, I don't know. French people floated by recently. Uh, I guess we got to pirate those dudes. Like they didn't give a shit. So people had to try to find ways around this because you could not... If you wanted to make money in trade, you were going to go through the Mediterranean. So you had to find a way to get these guys to leave you the fuck alone. Bigger guns. Bigger guns. Naval you would think that. Um, now, pirates were quite pragmatic. They were obviously better at, I don't know, foreign policy than a lot of people at the time, uh, which is why their biggest moneymaker wasn't any of the stuff that we've talked about. It wasn't ransoming. It wasn't kidnapping. It wasn't even slavery. It wasn't pirating. It was threatening people with piracy. 
oh yeah and then they say okay would you like some of our money and the pirates say yes please and then they go yes. away yes and that that money right, that, that they're going to get uh is going to be significantly more than anything they're getting in any other way. Uh, now, the British figured this out all the way back in the 1600s, that it'd be a lot cheaper to pay these assholes off uh, than to deal with the cost of lost shipping, boats, ransoms, and whatever else they had to deal with. Uh, other European countries quickly followed suit, signing... Uh, now, the Europeans fell into a, a classic pitfall here. They signed treaties... Like they were dealing with independent states and not literally gangs of pirates, um, and then sure, they sure, would, sure. they'd be repeatedly shocked when the pirates were like, oh, well, fuck it, let's go rob that British ship," despite the fact we have the treaty because they didn't give a shit. Um, they're pirates, like by definition, they don't care. But the you know European powers had signed treaties with them and, and through the Barbary states as well, effectively creating an incredibly lucrative legal protection racket. However, this didn't always yes. work out yes oh uh where the europeans <laughs> and eventually americans saw these as legal treaties like like they were signing uh, a treaty with you know the barbary state of algiers or whatever they considered it the same as signing a treaty with you know england um but the barbary states and the pirate gangs themselves did not see these as, as binding in any kind of way at all uh, this went double if the nation happened to be Christian. They did prey on those more, and they were happy to f- tell them to fuck off a bit quicker than, say, the Ottomans themselves. Um, and I think that's because proximity is being a problem. But they could also always explain themselves to the Ottoman government. Because remember, the Ottoman government right. has relations with all these powers as well. So right. when the Barbary states piss off, say, France or whatever, who has at this point, uh, pretty intense. I'm not going to say close relationship with the Ottomans, but you know, because they're they're doing weird shit there too. Would you say that they're friends with benefits? You said uh, not no, close, they weren't friends. This is definitely that time where the West and Russia is picking them apart piece by piece because they're oh, falling. Okay. Apart. Yeah, yeah. And this would go on for you know until oh, the end of World War yeah. One. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, but they had a very intense diplomatic mission there. So, like, if France. Was like, hey, what the fuck? Uh, and then the Ottomans in turn turned to Algiers and was like, hey, what the fuck? They're like, well, they're Christian. We're technically we're allowed to do that. And they'd be like, well, okay. Okay. Well, all right. Then. It was an empty diplomatic thing. It didn't actually mean anything because, like I've pointed out, they, they didn't discriminate all that much. Sure. <laughs> okay. How the U.S. got involved in all this is actually uh, pretty simple. Um, once upon a time, I'm stealing our shit. <laughs> could, you, could you not, please? Uh, back when the U.S. was still just 13 colonies, their ships were snagged by pirates quite a few times. And uh, the first time was probably sometime in the 1640s. But remember, they were a colony of England. uh, So when England bribed them, this included the United States or the colonies at the time. However, fast forward to the Revolutionary War, we don't have those protections anymore. Suddenly, the U.S. does not have the protection of the most powerful Navy on Earth anymore. Nope, we've got three Mikes and Steve. Yeah, we got we got six Sullys, um, a couple dudes in the Great Lakes with their fishing vessels. Ah, see, Joe, the friendship between our people. Go Redwoods, Joe. And now you say go Bruins, Joe. Now you say it. Why would you I say, say that? It. I said go Wings. You say it, Joe. In the interest of peace between our people, Joe, say it. You made a mistake here in thinking that I wanted peace between our people. All right, well, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Of course, 
without a navy at all to send. The pirates knew pretty well. They're like, hey, we see the, we the guys at this. We want. Yeah, that circle of stars or whatever. We could fuck those guys relentlessly and they can't do anything. Um, so this became a problem, uh, especially because y- you need some kind of, I mean, shipping was quite restricted and everything. So like when things come in, you desperately need them for this whole revolution thing you're trying to do. Uh, but thankfully for the U.S. at the time, they had a very powerful friend by the name of the Kingdom of France um, who signed a treaty with them in 1778. This is a defensive alliance that, amongst many other things, led to, uh, of course, America winning. First of all, that doesn't happen without France. But it al- Yes, yeah, I point that out to people quite a bit. <laughs> it also meant that any attack on U.S. shipping would be an attack on France. So the pirates like, ooh, boy, okay, don't want to fuck with that too much. So you, they were safe for a couple of years. However, that alliance only lasted until the end of the war in 1783. Right. Um, so suddenly, anyone flying the, uh, the old Stars and Stripes is once again free game. On the, for, on the open market. And we don't have France to back us up in 1800 because of the XYZ affair, I want to say. Maybe I'm getting my timeline confused. Well, I mean, we also do the whole phony war and um, oh yeah, I or, sorry, the, the pseudo war, war pseudo war. Pseudo war. Um, there we go. Yeah, there was a, and you know, France also really wanted our help uh, during the French Revolution, and we were like, hey, we're going to sift this one out, boys. Uh, <laughs> and then you know, we get we get curb stomped by the British in the War of eighteen twelve. We were not a military power for a very long time. <laughs> uh, now, of course, when word got out of this expiration of French protection, the kidnapping started once again. They started snatching American ships, uh, grabbing two within the first two years, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but we're also not sending a ton of ships out there in the first place. Through the U.S. Minister of France at the time, who was Thomas Jefferson, who was joined by Secretary of Foreign Affairs, John Jay, the pirates kind of sort of declared war on the United States. It, it's obvious that like the you know, Jefferson and Jay and every normal uh, politician, like the, they're seeing these guys again as like a sovereign nation declaring war. But in reality, it's like, it's like a gang of pirates telling them to go fuck themselves. Like uh, Jefferson himself right, right, right. was kind of speechless that someone would declare war on someone for no reason. It's like, but why would you do this? Like, we don't even know each other. <laughs> I thought we were cool. Um, and he met with Tripoli's envoy, a guy named Sidi Haji Rahman Aja. To ask, hey, come on, we were like, come we're, on. Poor. we're fucking poor. Guy. Leave us I'm alone, just a little guy. Come on, come on. you wouldn't hit the birthday boy, would you? And like that, like the U.S. is like despondently poor at this point of history. Um, like the envoy pretty much said it was well within the right to do whatever they wanted uh, to any American they found because they were Christian. Um, again, I, as, I need to point out that was an excuse. He's playing Ottoman kayfabe, if, I, if, if you will. Having no experience with this kind of thing whatsoever, uh, Jefferson and Jay weren't really sure how to handle a power like the pirates. They were completely divorced from what you could consider international norms of diplomacy. Uh, like These two guys barely really had any idea of what a Muslim was. Let alone, like, let alone being kind of like right. tr- dragged into a re- uh, what is being framed as a religious war. Uh, they're like, I'm sorry, run that by me one more time. Why, why are we doing this? Oh, okay. Uh, so, don't you guys just want to be pals? You guys, you guys. They knew 
vaguely that Islam existed, but I wouldn't consider these guys well-versed in the tenets of Islam at all, you know? Now, Jefferson eventually cut a deal with Morocco, who, remember, was its own thing. And the deal said Morocco would leave them alone. Um, but, uh, you know, they had to kind of say, like, you know, we can't control anybody else. We, we're not in control of those other states. Also, part of the deal was, uh, um, like, if any Americans ended up in Morocco, they would give them back to America. Um, so that that's kind of gotcha, something, I gotcha. suppose. They didn't do that exactly, but they said they would. Um, now, the rest of the pirates demanded ransoms of over a half million dollars apiece. Uh, at the time, Jefferson was given money to like try to bribe these guys to fuck off, but it was only collectively $60,000 because I need to point out here, that's all we the government no had. Money. We have <laughs> yeah. no money. We got farmers and we can make whiskey and we own slaves and that's all we got. They okay? couldn't even tax anybody yet. We have <laughs> potatoes. You want some potatoes. Just like waving it in front of a Barbary pile, like, ooh, but you never seen one of these before, huh? Potato? I will give you an empty glass bottle full of unknown brown liquid that was distilled in my tub. Um, and this is 1785. So this is before the Constitution would go into effect. They're still operating on like old uh, confederation rules on taxation for the federal government, which were notoriously broken and did not work. Uh, which is, you know, led one of the reasons that led to the crisis hey, in the first place. Joe, did you say Articles of Confederation? Yes, I did. Joe, do you know where that was signed, Joe? Where was that signed? My hometown, York, Pennsylvania. And how'd that work out? Can you play the air horn for me, please? No. Oh. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. It, it, it's, it's cool that you're celebrating something that failed so miserably. <laughs> That's Central Pennsylvania, boy. That's all we got. Fair enough. I'll give you that. Also, most northerly town held by the Confederacy. Uh, We surrendered without a fight. Well done. That means you have something in common with Texas. Good job. Yeah, that's not what I want to hear. (laughs) So, like, obviously, the U.S. had just gotten done tearing itself apart via, you know, the revolution. So that cost them a ton of money. It imploded their economy. They were swimming in debt. Uh, You know, this is... Yeah, still mineral-based, you know, precious metal-based currency. They couldn't just print more. Uh, so they're like, uh, we have $60,000. And potatoes! I will give you $60,000 <laughs> and all of the potatoes that you can have. This is Mr. Brown look what I found in my tub. <laughs> What's kind of surprising here is he didn't, like, offer to like give them slaves. Forms? Would they have been considered too valuable? I think they would have been considered worthless because like... Because they had like a million of them already? They did already have a ton of them. And remember, like the the Ottomans wanted to ransom people off. Like you you can't just deliver them chattel slaves and like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Because they would see it as as pointless, right? Yeah, they can't ransom them. Nobody's going to buy them. Except other slave owners, I guess. This is my infinite money printing slavery machine. (laughs) Don't ask how it works. (laughs) Jefferson calmly uh, explaining to the Algiers government were like, look, we don't have an economy, but what we do have is tens of thousands of slaves. Uh, Could we get uh, hundreds of thousands of slaves, I should say? Can I give you some of those instead? We have more of those than money. Um, now, Jefferson pointed out to the government of the United States that, pretty rightly, I should point out, that, look, guys, if we give these dudes money, they're going to eventually just start snatching our ships again and then ask for more money, knowing we can't stop them. So he pointed out that what they should do is tell them to fuck off and then build a navy. 
Uh, now, someone who did agree with him was the president, Washington, who pointed out also oh, that, like, that fucking did. Yeah, like he pointed out also that like, okay, but building a navy is going to take us some time. We need to buy ourselves time, and the only way to buy time is with money, because uh, you know the idea of fighting a war on the other side of the world was completely foreign to them. So they had to 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 buy time, according to Washington. And eventually, in 1794, Congress approved a tribute to the Barbary states that would, when adjusted for inflation, account for literally tens of millions of dollars Uh (laughs) and cost the equivalent of 10% of the yearly GDP of the United States of America. Not to get hated. (laughs) Like, holy shit. Um, I mean, not to mention that just shows how horribly poor the U.S. was at the time. But it is funny that these guys fleece the United States for 10% of the annual budget. Good on you. I mean, yeah. fuck you, but good on you. I respect your, I would respect your hustle a lot more if you weren't literally slavers. Even after paying them this, large-scale slave raiding and raiding in general continued to happen. And the cost of tributes got to the point where President John Adams founded the Department of the Navy in 1798. Um, now, even so... Adams was in the belief that he could use the new Navy that was under construction to protect shipping rather than end piracy. Where Thomas Jefferson was like, no, fuck them. We need to invade North Africa. Like, we need to fuck them With up to who? the point. With who? He, you know, he was, he's doing some backwards planning here. Start an invasion and work back on how the fuck it, to do this. You know how in, in, in Jewish tradition, uh, every, every Jew who has ever been born or will ever be born received the Torah at Sinai. Is that the plan? Every American who's ever been yeah. born will receive a ship. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in, in Jefferson was under the belief that the only thing these guys would understand is violence, which I guess clearly doing diplomacy didn't work. Maybe because uh, like... Maybe fuck them up a little bit, sure. Yeah, not y- using the Mediterranean at all is not an option. Um, so Jefferson was under the idea that like, no, 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 we need to build a Navy to shoot them in the face. And it just so happened that these two would run against one another in the 1800 election, which was a rematch of the election before that in 1796. Um, Now, the piracy of American ships wasn't even that big of a deal over the course of the campaign. Uh, There's a lot more of other important shit going on in the world at the time. They call each other uh, whores a lot. There's some really sordid stuff in that election. Yeah, it's it's truly the the creation of modern American politics. Was it Adams uh, had as a favor to the czar procured like a young American virgin or something? Uh, there's some really if you if you ever get bored enough to read about uh, early American campaigning, that one is a mind fuck. That in uh, 1828 or 1824. I, I honestly, I'm not sh- like I'm not sure, but also Jefferson was a weird fucking guy, so maybe. Um, and I don't want to commit to that one, yes or no. Um, but you know, the French Revolution was very nearly dragging the U.S. into a war that would implode Europe for the next a long time. Um, there was also, uh, it, you know, it turned into a slanderous shit show full of lies, and even honestly, horrors of the czar, man. Some of the earliest version of what we would recognize as culture war. Um, for instance, Jefferson's Democratic Republican Party, which has to be the most deeply cursed name of a political party that the United States has had um, outside of like, I don't know, the American Nazi Party, um, was accused of being atheists. Like, <gasps> how dare you? You guys own people. Let's all calm down. 
everybody owned everybody at this point. There was no good or bad guy. Hey, 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 Adams was an abolitionist. Was he? Yeah, you never remember. Slaves. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay, yeah. there was one good guy here, and he fucking lost. That I'll show you. John Adams was not a good guy, but he is he is the most interesting president to me. And I have this weird little soft spot for John Adams. It's like whenever you find an abolitionist from like the revolution, they're like, no man should ever be bound into slavery. Like, oh, so some of our founding fathers were good people. And then it's like, it always turns back into, and we should send them all back to Africa. Like, God damn it. (laughs) I can believe that. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, that's why Liberia became a thing. There's a lot of bad stuff here. Namely, Jefferson's running mate was Aaron Burr, uh, who was a fucking crazy person. Oh, yeah. He's probably more famous uh, uh, for shooting his political opponents than anything else he's ever done, which is always a good sign. You want me to sing from the musical, Joe? What musical? Hamilton. Are you fucking serious? Never heard of it. Yes, you have. Mm. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Unfamiliar to me. No, no. Please explain it to me. Number one Hamilton fan. You're gonna, I'm going to need you to explain this to me. I don't want to have to explain it to you. I don't want to have to be reminded that Lin-Manuel Miranda exists. Who? Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part of the Burr saga is when he went west and was going to declare his own country and then invade the United States. That one's a banger. That's ambitious. I will give him that. Yeah, somehow he didn't end up getting executed for that. But anyway, Jefferson won. Long story short. Um, or not a very a very long story that I've failed miserably at making short. And uh, he finally had the power to do what he wanted to do since 1785, which at this point, there had been enough pressure uh, from kidnappings and stuff where um, the American public was getting kind of mad. It was happening at, at enough of a clip that the newspapers were picking it up. It was making people mad. And, you know, for the first time in a long, illustrious history uh, in American press they managed to make a lot of people mad at a country they could not locate on a map so good for you didn't have maps man i mean we literally <laughs> did have maps but like come on they had so. maps i mean yeah, not, like, not every person sure yet. hey you if there's one thing i've learned from period pieces is every rich uppity guy has a globe in their office Dude, all right i want a globe bar so fucking bad joe a globe bar yeah where the top where the northern hemisphere comes off and then it's just a, a bar Oh, it's a little liquor cart. You know what I'm talking about? That's fun. It's like your our drinking problem is also spy stuff. Sophisticated, yeah. It's like um, one time uh, for Christmas, probably like I don't know, years and years and years ago. I think it was like my uncle gave me like a decanter set, and I was like, "Why the fuck am I going to use this?" <laughs> I don't, I don't need to make like first of all i'm not pouring my plastic bottle whiskey into a decanter <laughs> like that's sure. not gonna do yeah. me any favors mm, old crow reserve mm, that's right so there's a, there's a lot of problems uh happening and jefferson wanted to solve them all with the navy uh so congress is getting pretty tired of also setting aside a pretty large portion of their budget aside every fucking year to paying off pirates on the other side of the world um, well, fuck it. Let's invade. Solve it once and for all. This seems operation cannot possibly go wrong. And not to mention, every time they paid, the pirates were like, okay, well, next time it's going to be this much more. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to squeeze blood from a stone. You know, uh, they, they were just, they were American banks before Americans were banks. I don't fucking know. 
Now, just before Jefferson's inauguration in 1801, Congress passed legislation that would provide the new Department of the Navy be given six frigates that, quote, shall be officered and manned as the President of the United States may direct. Which is new, because remember, this is definitely still solidly in that time where the United States government and its people were very wary of anything that could be considered a standing military. Uh, you know, we have... And then we have, that's the reason why we have weird right, ass right. amendments. Like you can't be forced to quarter soldiers. Like, you know, fucking shit. The third amendment, get out of my house. I, I really like the idea of a guy, you know, how you have like first amendment and second amendment guys. Someone becoming like uh, the third amendment uh, advocacy center where every time. There, have, sl- been, there <laughs> have been lawsuits filed against police departments for third amendment right violations. And as far as I know, they never win, but it comes up very, well, they're not soldiers, right? That's legally. Exactly, I should say. exactly. But the United States government has, as far as I know, forced people to house soldiers in times of war. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty certain. And I'm pretty certain someone back in World War II, sued under the Third Amendment and lost because of basically an emergency war powers declaration. Oh, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. Our amendments are written to be broken and interpreted at will. Um, yeah, exactly. That's a great country we live in. Yeah, it's totally normal. Yeah, everything's fine. Uh, and now this was mostly seen, this adversion to a standing military being seen as an army um, because they were under the belief that the army could be used for political repression. Right, of course. And a Navy has a harder time to do that. So, like, people are much... Like, <laughs> you're not gonna, the, the, the Navy just blockading voting booths. <laughs> just fitz a Navy into D.C. for a coup or something. <laughs> He's sailing sadly up the Potomac. Like, oh, <laughs> the water's so gross. <laughs> sailing a Navy down the Detroit River and having it melt from the acid content. Um, yeah, so, like, they, they, uh, they green-lighted a comparatively very small Navy under the direct command of the president. So then as if to underline why Congress gave these powers to Jefferson in the first place, the Pasha of Tripoli demanded a payment of $225,000 or $3 million uh, in today's money, which also still doesn't seem like a whole lot. We have $8 and potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like it still doesn't seem like a whole lot, but like then you have to realize again that the again, United States federal government... and some potatoes and some... Joe Kasabian, private stash, bathtub, brown liquor of ill yeah, baby. It's mostly piss. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, so, yo. Uh, but yeah, again, the U.S. is desperately poor. And this wasn't uh, one of their payments. This was like a good faith payment from the incoming Jefferson administration because Yusef Karaman Lady Pasha claimed that this was a tradition for uh, new governments to pay him uh, <laughs> to, to ensure uh, that they would continue with the old agreements. Now, you don't need to point out this is, in fact, the only transition of government that he has had as Pasha. So that just meant that Adams had paid him. Uh, and this is not some ancient tradition of some kind. This is just bribery. Yeah, you know, at least he's being honest about it, right? Like, yeah, say what you will about Ottoman corruption. Everybody saw it from a mile away. <laughs> uh, now, Jefferson had always been against paying them anything. Not to mention, according to the book of the Tripolitanian War, the U.S. Federal Reserve at the time only had ten million dollars in it. <laughs> we didn't even have a Federal Reserve. We would have had nothing, really. Yeah, and by like Federal Reserve, I mean at, at this point, like literally the Treasury. 
like right. not, I don't mean the literal Federal Reserve. <laughs> that, that, no, those are just, the at, so, at this point, it's just some guys. It, it's under Jefferson's mattress. <laughs> <laughs> just beating Martha away. Like, hey, hey, <laughs> I need that to pay my bribes. <laughs> Nobody go near the president's mattress. He gets weird about it. <laughs> you get your nails done next week. Now, Jefferson refused to pay. And in turn, the Barbary state of Tripoli declared war again, not officially, but functionally by marching into the U.S. consulate and cutting down its flagstaff, which was like how they declared war, I guess. Tellingly, Algiers Whoa, and Tunis did not follow suit. They're like, oh, you're on your own, homie. This left them completely on their own. Uh, and Morocco vulnerable to our four guys with boats. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> we have six whole boats and we are several thousand miles away. You're going to pay for this. And Morocco at this point was openly like, we have nothing to do with this. So this was something of Jefferson's trap card. The congressional legislation that gave him that Navy only gave him the power to deploy it for war in uh, response to a Barbary declaration of war. So he got that by refusing to pay the bribe, which gave him the freedom to send in his boats. Uh, so the Pasha kind of played directly into Jefferson's ah, hand. Okay, interesting. Now, this was put in place, uh, I guess you could say, to stop the president from having too much power over the military and using it for funsies, which, you know, thankfully that doesn't happen anymore, you know? No, 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 don't worry about it. Yeah, it certainly doesn't happen all the time. Actually, I and and on today's episode of Lions Led by Donkeys, we defend Operation Just Cause. Oh God, <laughs> you got to pick that one, don't you? Yeah, because it's because it, it basically writes its own jokes. Operation Just Because. Come on, man, that's a good one. And a hearty chuckle at that. You couldn't hear it. I, I figured you just kind of glared at your monitor, and then I laughed to myself, knowing that I had made you upset. I have to admit, when you said Operation Just Cause, despite the fact I know what Operation Just Cause is, my mind immediately jumped to the video game. Great game. Great game. Yeah. Just Cause 2. Oh, man, I sunk a lot of hours into Just Cause 2. You can parachute off of everything. It's fun. Dude, there's um, so many grapple hooks. <laughs> yeah. Though, so this was 1801, and, you know, News traveled slow as hell. And before Jefferson knew that Tripoli had declared war on the U.S., he had actually already sent a naval squadron of three frigates and one schooner. Schooner? Is it schooner? Schooner oh, no, boats. Schooner. 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 I knew that. Uh, <laughs> not a boat guy. Tank guy. I have never once claimed to be a boat guy. I'm not a boat guy. No, we I have a don't. resident boat guy, and he's busy. I apologize. You have Kasabian syndrome. Um, that's just called the TBI. No, that's what happens when you've seen a word written but never spoken aloud, and you're just fucking up, fuck up pronouncing it in the worst way possible. I do the same exact thing. I really like that I do that so so often. The the a syndrome named after me. That's fun. You know, it's like uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm sure he's really happy about that being named after him. You don't have ALS, Joe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, he, uh, he already deployed these guys under the command of Commodore Richard Dale, uh, and, but he had deployed them to smooth things over. Dick Dale. Dick uh, Dale. Dick his Dale. Name, his name is Commodore Dick Dale. Dick Dale. His name is Dick Dale. I just realized that. God damn it. Uh, now, he wanted to, he sent these guys over there to tell them, look, we aren't going to pay you shit, but we will, give you, we, we will give you some money. He did send Dick Dale over there with a smaller amount of, a significantly smaller amount of money. Um, just not as much as they wanted. 
And also with that, he was showing them, look, we have a fucking Navy now. Take this or we're going to shoot at you. I mean, you know, we're a real country. Yeah, it was, you know, a little, little bit of sweet with your sour, uh, but, you know, not chicken boats. Um, like, so, like, the, yeah, that was that was kind of how he, he made that work. And this is actually for you. One of the ships in the squadron was the USS Philadelphia. Woo! We'll go birds! <laughs> go birds! <laughs> the cannon shoot batteries that only hit Santa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now it had thirty six guns and a displacement of twelve hundred tons, and it actually you you want to know how this is built? It, it was Badly. it was crowdfunded. Yeah, dude, we <laughs> were the city of brotherly love, and also cannons. <laughs> it's the city of brotherly love, or else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sailing into battle on my eighteen oh one warship with fuck the cowboys painted on the side. <laughs> Yeah, I really should have gone with the USS Philly, Philly special or whatever the fuck that's that stupid play is called. I don't know. I don't know enough about Philly football yeah, it's history. It's called the Philly special or Philly right. Philly if you prefer. Uh, I know you don't know what it's like to experience success. Is the Philly special just a, a beef sandwich with a needle in the middle of it? Wow, you're from <laughs> Detroit, Joe. Let's all calm down. Yeah, At least our teams win things. Hey, that's why it's still punching up, baby. It's not, punching. it's not punching up it's punching sideways motherfucker yeah, we have tensing pin it's more like a vigorous wrist slap laterally right? I, do like, I do like the idea of us having to defend our respective shithole cities I never defend Detroit that's why I'm not moving yeah. back there I defend yes, the Red go. Wings that's all I defend yeah go Wings whatever <laughs> she won't say go Bruins back so I don't know what to do no because I hate the Bruins how can you hate the Bruins Brad Marchand is a perfectly nice guy, and as I feel the podcast disconnecting and Joe's hand forced choking me from Hawaii. I'm going to buy a plane ticket on my way to Armenia just to go to Philly and kick you in the dick. You have to, you actually, you have to be uh, my groomsman at some point, so you yeah. really do have to come to Philly. You're inviting me over to kick you in the dick. You will kick me in the dick. <laughs> Ooh, new Patreon goal. <laughs> Yeah, actually, if you get if you if you uh, donate ten dollars or more a month, and then all the money goes to Liam, uh, I'll be kicked in the dick. I want to buy it. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I've been kicked in the dick before. I don't care. Yeah, we've all been kicked in the dick before. It's, like, a, still- it's like concussions. You get like six freebies. And in fact, I think most men uh, who have had you know a dumb childhood, like not a hundred percent of people. Um, has probably been kicked in the dick for money. Yeah, at some point. I've been, yeah, yeah. I've been kicked in the dick for money. Yeah. Um, now, speaking it. of dicks, there's Dick Dale. Um, Dick Dale. Dick Dale and the USS Philadelphia. It was bigger than any ship that the uh, this crowdfunding that's, ship. That's right. I bet it was, motherfucker. Cradle of Liberty, baby. <laughs> it was much bigger than any ship the pirates could muster. That's so right. It was definitely a flex. Now, it was unfortunate is the pirates could not understand any of the slurs coming from it. <laughs> fly eagles fly but played on cannons now but jefferson kind of ran into a wall nobody was entirely sure legally that is of what the ships could actually do they didn't declare war the constitution said war could only happen with the agreement of congress which and nobody was right. really 100 percent certain what the full scope of the war powers clause was because it had cool. never been used right However, Congress got around that whole thing by never declaring war. 
1801 AUMF. Yeah, baby, it's an AUMF. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is because the because Congress authorized the president to uh, use the Navy to attack and seize anything controlled personally by the Pasha of Tripoli, which you guessed it is anything in Tripoli. Uh, yeah, it's an AUMF. (laughs) Yield for babies first AUMF. Yield AUMF, baby. Uh, It is also just so happened the U.S. found itself. A weird friend in the middle of all of this, not really known for being a traditional ally of the United States at, until very recently when they are going to join NATO, Sweden. Um, the what? kingdom of Sweden had been uh, at war against Tripoli for the same reasons for the last year. And when yeah. the, the U.S. showed up, Sweden's like, come on over. Uh, like, we're already parked out here. <laughs> just cannonade after cannonade. <laughs> Hurricane Durgan Durgan. It's just like, just, fo- just follow the, the, the chef noises until you follow, get the triple. Follow the chef noises, followed by the loudest goddamn broadside you've ever heard in your life. Just wet packets of snus slapping against <laughs> triple. <laughs> The tinnitus sounds like hinga dinga durgan. That's how you're eating. You're using the ringing. So they just pulled up alongside them, and Sweden is like, "All right, we're bros. We're working on this together now." Now, the the first real battle uh, for the American War, if you want to consider that, happened in August first of eighteen oh one, when the USS Enterprise, I assume sponsored by the rental car company, was on a provisioning mission, trying to find like food and water or whatever. Sure. Um, and in order to avoid pirates, the American crew was actually flying a a British flag, which is quite funny uh, because the British had previously, you know, paid them off. Operation, they'll never suspect it. Pirates saw the ship with a British flag and scooted up next to it. It was like, hey, have you guys seen any Americans? Uh, no. Yeah. And so uh, the U.S. Uh, crew being, uh, you know, upstanding naval gentlemen quickly struck the British flag and raised the American one and shot them at point blank range. <laughs> 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 which is is kind yeah, of funny baby. yeah it's kind of funny. America, motherfucker. <laughs> now uh the, the americans were actually outnumbered and outgunned because this is just one ship all on its own out on a provisioning mission they weren't like preparing for war or anything uh they weren't like getting ready for battle however the pirates don't fight you know pitched sea battles so they immediately try to get the fuck out of there um and after a couple of broadsides from the Enterprise, one of the pirate ships decided to uh, run up the, a white flag of surrender. The American ship accepted their surrender and put it up alongside them to accept it like captain to captain, which led to the pirates point blanking the American ship. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Only we could do that. You now, dicks. This process actually happened three more times. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Finally, the Americans like, you know what? Fuck this. We're not accepting their surrender. And they started shooting at the waterline, uh, trying to just sink it. They were they were like, we're not going to capture the ship. We're just going to sink this fucker. And most of the pirate crew was killed in this exchange of gunfire. Uh, and the captain was quite worried that uh, he was going to die. Right. So and he also realized sure. that he did a whole lot of the boy who cries wolf in this scenario. So he could not fly up a white flag and expect yeah. the Americans to list it. So he actually stood up on the deck flew the Tripoli flag back and forth and then tossed it into the ocean to show that he had finally surrendered. I really made it this time. (laughs) The American captain was so fucking pissed off at this point. He accepted their surrender, but did not leave them any provisions or any way to escape and simply left them sinking there in their dead ship. 
Uh, yeah, I, 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 who amongst us, you know? Yeah, uh, you'll find a way back, you know? Uh, according to the book Jefferson's War, the entire crew of the Enterprise got a whole month's worth of salary up front as a bonus, uh, while the pirate captain was demoted, covered in sheep guts, and then had his feet whipped. That's, Ugh. uh, that sucks. Ugh. Fuck around, get that, your, get, get your feet whipped. Don't like that. Don't like that. I'm willing to bet someone somewhere would. Now, no, uh, <laughs> dude, no. we're already being gross before we started. <laughs> we're an hour in podcast madness has taken over. However, by 1802, piracy still hadn't stopped. So a new squadron commander, Commodore Edward Preble, uh, cut a deal with King Ferdinand IV of Naples to base his ship out of Naples, Syracuse, and Palermo, as well as Messina. That meant that they had a, a much uh, closer resupply point. So they could just rotate the Navy through constantly to Tripoli and keep it in place. Sure, sure. While in Tripoli, the Pasha took over the American consulate and turned it into a prison for any Americans they got their hands on. Meanwhile, the U.S. and Sweden remained virtually unchallenged at sea uh, because, wouldn't you know it, pirates don't want to fight a Navy. It's not what they're in, they're in the, this business for. Right, sure, exactly. Though uh, Sweden would decide to throw in the towel, realize this is all pointless and expensive, and go home in 1802, leaving... Uh, now, they fought the mostly pointless First Battle of Tripoli, uh, First Battle of Tripoli Harbor, which did, did virtually nothing. Um, and the it U.S. would lot, be... Joe. Yeah, the U.S. would be left on its own to kind of float around and look for an enemy that wouldn't show up. Uh, talk about your time in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if they didn't show up, I wouldn't be disabled. So yeah, shout out to enough. the Taliban, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel bad. More and more of the new uh, U.S. Navy was sent over as Jefferson wasn't really sure what his next move was. He assumed, like many others, he would simply send the Conquer Navy Libya. in. Conquer Libya. Now, he assumed that the Navy would show up, blow up some pirate ships, and then the pirates would be like, oh, please stop. And then you know, Jefferson would go home. Um, there wasn't exactly a lot of planning involved. In, there, there wasn't like any long-term mission objective plan. Yeah, we're not really here. good at that here. Yeah, and, it's weird how that keeps yeah. happening. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Certainly won't pop up again. In the meantime, the U.S. was left to try to enforce a blockade on its own now that Sweden was gone, which they just did not have the ships for. So piracy continued around the U.S. Navy. Uh, the battle between the, uh, the Enterprise and the pirate ship, the Tripoli, which was the first ship that they fought, had made things a lot harder uh, for the pirates within the city because, you know, they watched their local captain get doused in innards and get his feet beaten up. So it made other captains not so willing to actually throw down with the American Navy for fear that they get the foot treatment. It also hurt recruitment for the, the, the rank and file pirates because most of the crew died. Um, that's going to hurt recruitment. That's not that. Yeah, that's not that's not war winning. Good looks. Yeah. Then in 1803, the U.S. tripped over their own dicks and lost the USS Philadelphia in the dumbest way possible. Wouldn't be us if it weren't the dumbest way possible. Yeah. Uh, now, while patrolling Tripoli Harbor, looking for outgoing pirate ships, they simply ran aground at a previously unknown reef two miles from shore. Whoops. boy. As pirate boats rushed out to capture the the stranded Philly, the uh, American crew just tried to scuttle the ship, but they didn't act quite fast enough. And uh, the whole crew and ship was captured. The crew was thrown into the U.S. consulate, which was, remember, now the jail. And meanwhile, pirates strapped the Philly to a bunch of other boats, pulled it oh. off the reef, 
and brought it into port, no. renaming it the Gift of Allah, which is what I will ah. now call the City of Philadelphia. Yeah, it is a gift. It is a gift from <laughs> heaven, Joe. Settle down there, Detroit. Hey, I didn't say we were a gift from Allah. You're welcome. I'll cut your. How about I cut your hamstrings for you? Is that what you want? Uh, now, the frigate became the largest and most powerful ship in the entire pirate fleet, and it would have been the most powerful ship in the entire Ottoman Empire if the pirates could fix it. Because remember, I just ran to a fucking reef. That's going to do some damage. Um, also, the crew did a, a number on it. They weren't able to destroy it completely, but they had done a lot of damage. Good. Good. Look at a Philly, asshole. It's just... The crew was waiting on board to hit him with a brick or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, a, just an ye oldie battery. The, the pirates rush aboard. Like I don't, I do not understand. Why are all the crewmen eating shit off of the floor? Why, why am I being stabbed with syringes? <laughs> now, Commodore Preble, who was the commander of the entire, not as uh, cool as Kev, as Commodore uh, Dick Dale. Yeah, Dick Dale. Uh, We'll, we'll never forget you. Uh, now, Preble was commanding the entire theater from aboard the USS Constitution. And when he heard that the Philly had been captured by pirates, he knew he had to do something to get it back to either save his pride, but probably also his career. They probably could really fuck some of, of the American fleet up with or without training if they got the Philly up and running. So um, he was worried. Uh, that if he made a run at it, because remember, it's in the port, in a defended bay, uh, right, that it would be uh, a, a pretty costly battle. Uh, so it turned out for him, uh, luckily, that he had a spy uh, that could see the ship's condition and, and the, uh, the improvements that the pirates were making on it. That was the former captain, Captain Bainbridge. Now, he was imprisoned in the consulate and could see the captured ship from his window. Uh, so he's like, no, nah, it's still broken. Uh, and remember how I told you that they could write letters. Uh, right, right, right. So the Pasha was encouraging the prisoners to send mail out. Of course, the reason for this is he wanted to ransom these officers and, and the crew back to the U.S. government. So he right. was expecting them to write letters about, oh, this jail sucks or whatever. And instead, Bainbridge is just writing like, hey, the Philly is still busted to hell. So you could probably make a move on it. They're not fixing it. Steal it back. Steal it back. Steal it back. Now, this also told Preble that he wasn't going to just be able to jump a whole bunch of dudes back onto the boat and sail it away because it was so damaged. Um, And he wasn't sure if he'd be able to tow it either because it would take so long that by the time they strap it up to another ship, the pirates are going to be able to get a whole bunch of guys with guns and make their day a living hell. So... Captain Stephen Decatur came up with a plan. A group of sappers, marines, and Sicilian mercenaries would blow it up in port. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Never, uh, never challenge a Sicilian when blowing up a boat is on the line. That's some really silly shit. Though the plan was considered so crazy that the commander would, would not accept people who were told to take part in it. He would only accept the volunteers on this mission that he was pretty sure was a suicide mission. Now, they boarded the USS Intrepid, which had also previously been a pirate ship that the US had captured and repurposed. Um, and it was also horribly infested with rats because life on a ship in the, you know, 1800s Yeah, it's 1803, dude. Of course there's <laughs> fucking rats. 
Yeah, it would be weird if there was no rats. Uh, there's no evidence that the rats were recruited for the mission, like a really weird secret squirrel red wall. Tiny, tiny, tiny bombs shot to a tiny rat. Like, you go make them proud, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Going to rat paradise, baby. Uh, now, the ship, along with the USS Siren, had Sicilian mercenaries on board, mostly because they didn't have that many infantry, like naval infantry, which are what Marines are. They didn't have that many of them. But also because the Sicilians spoke Arabic. Um, so they could like kind of undercover make their way past security. Sure. Uh, they also dressed like what was described as, quote, Barbary civilians. Um, which I'm going okay. to assume at brown face. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh. <laughs> like they dressed up in clothes, but they're still white guys, right? So like, and this is not just the, the Sicilians. This is everybody. Uh, so yeah, they put on brown face, jumped in some civilian clothes and uh, snuck into the harbor. Now it took eight days to get from Syracuse to Tripoli because they kept getting hit by storms. Sure. And also the siren uh, had its mast break and couldn't go very fast because obviously it's a sailboat. Uh, so they had to leave it behind because it's going too slow. Uh, but uh, when these ships finally snuck through all of the f- defenses, they pulled up alongside the Philly and surprised the pirate guards that were pulling guard duty. Uh, and the Americans and Sicilians didn't want to have guns because guns, you know, muskets make a lot of fucking noise. noise. Yeah, and they're not exactly portable either. So they descended out of these boats armed with hatchets and swords so they yes. could hack everybody to death. Yes, welcome to Philly, asshole. Go birds. Um, then, uh, so they, they boarded the Philly, set it on fire, uh, set a whole bunch of explo- like timed explosives as well for good measure, jumped into their boat, and then the wind died. Uh, they they could not make a, a oh, glorious getaway uh, because oh. the wind died. Uh, well, you can't have everything, right? Including your limbs or life. (laughs) That's right. So while still getting shot at by pirates, they jumped into rowboats, strapped themselves to their boat, uh, and then paddled away all while everybody was shooting at them. Heroically paddling away. (laughs) Just doggy doggy paddling my way to glory, baby. It's it's impossible to look respectable as your warship is being pulled away by a, a gang of angry rowboats. Uh, now, because of how slow information traveled in the 1800s, this same telegram or message that reached Jefferson about the Philly being seized by the pirates also included the message about the insane operation that destroyed it without a hitch. I mean, they left out all the hitches, but, you know, Decatur was promoted. Bad. He was given a ceremonial sword and everybody that took part was given a full month salary as a bonus, which I assume at the time was like three dollars. I don't know. Yeah, three bucks and a potato from earlier. Three bucks, uh, some potato, and a a tub full of piss whiskey. (laughs) Piss whiskey. Piskey. Piskey. (laughs) This led directly to the Second Battle of Tripoli Harbor a few months later, as the USS Intrepid, which, remember, was the pirate ship they captured, redubbed the USS Intrepid and then used it to sneak in again. But uh, this time they turned into a fire ship. Um, Cool. And then it blew up early and killed everybody. Less good. <laughs> so, yep, accidental American suicide bombing. Yeah, they... Uh, Head of the game, baby. Yeah. American innovation. After that, American gunboats backed by the Constitution, the USS Constitution, so the one that can actually do something, uh, bombed and burned anything that the pirate fleet ha- had in the harbor. 
though this battle was more like a flare up in the blockade because like the, again the pirates just kind of settled back um, there's never an outright victory that American commanders were looking for uh, because whenever the Navy well, showed up to, to, I, I think that's the only time I've ever heard of that happening <laughs> yeah that's right we would only win if they would fight us yeah bet oh. you would you fucking idiot <laughs> Um, yeah, and it wasn't the the victory that they were hoping would crush the backbone of the pirates. Um, however, as soon as said bombers and Sicilian sword raids weren't the only ideas being floated around as everybody tried to pitch ideas that might actually bring an end to the war. Uh, like, you know, I don't know, like the world's worst writer's room or something. Um, enter William Eaton, who was the U.S. consul in Tunis. Remember, they're, the actual, they're not taking part in this. Right, right. They're part of the you're on your own squad. Yeah, they realize this is a supremely bad idea. Um, right, sure. Now, Eaton theorized that the pirates would just come back if they didn't get rid of the Pasha that was empowering them, which, sh- sure, I suppose. But he devised the plan to find the Pasha's exile brother, Hamet, arm him, and then march him across the Libyan desert to take Tripoli by land. This doesn't sound like it's going to work out plop this idiot brother on the throne as an American client and then force him to end piracy. This got approval. <laughs> so, what? Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, at this point, Jefferson's like, sure, We're fuck it, try why not? Sure, yeah. yeah, all right. Throw enough hemmets to the wall, see what sticks. Sure. Uh, so he went to Egypt where he was in exile and found Hemet. Now, Eaton was under the impression by his other diplomats that this exile brother who had previously challenged the Pasha for uh, control um, was uh, like away in Egypt, biding his time, building his forces. He was this uh, important guy with influence. I bet. Yep. This all sounds like it's going to check out. Yeah. He spent most of his time getting really drunk and high and surrounded by a very large harem of hookers. Yeah. It's. Word. Yeah, he only okay. had like yeah. 90 followers. Oh, okay. which, yeah, it's like his inner circle. I wouldn't even consider this like followers per se. These are all people that depended on him for their continued survival, mostly because like this is like an entourage situation, you know? Uh, Hemet's paying for their, their drugs and sex workers and right, shit. Right. So this wasn't enough to discourage Eaton, right? So, uh, but 90 guys is not enough to assault over land and, and take a city. So he had to hire a mixed match group of Bedouin, Greek, and Arab mercenaries to reinforce it. And oh, then boy. enter First Lieutenant Presley O'Bannon, who was the commander of nine whole Marines, who was right. like, we'll go. <laughs> hey, idiots. <laughs> Guess what yeah. we're doing on Sunday. I assume Bannon was very bored. Uh, um, now, by at this point, Eaton uh, had, had a lot of very big ideas of himself, and he started calling himself the commander in chief of this army. Wrong, wrong, yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like they don't, they do not have that many people. And now, in case you're wondering, this is the group of Marines where we get the whole "Shores of Tripoli" lyric from and the Marine Corps song. That's it. Nine yeah. guys. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. No. Yep. No, Joe, they were heroically outnumbered, but fought until the last man. Look, and then I'm what not, they did is they went home and ate some crayons. I'm not, I'm not saying that what happens next isn't impressive because they do, again, march across the Libyan desert and insult the city. But yeah, there's fair, only nine of them. I, I, oh, that, that's, that's, that's fewer people to worry about, you know? <laughs> After assembling a force, they went on a 500-mile overland march across the desert. Fuck that. 
Fuck yeah. all exactly. of that. Yeah, shit sucks. I would die. I would If I was one of those nine brains, like, we have to do what? I'm going to fucking no. shoot myself. <laughs> Guess, what? Guess who's deserting? Liam is, baby. Guess who was blowing off his foot with his musket? This guy. <laughs> Things came apart at the seams pretty quickly. Now, when Eaton hired the mercenaries, he apparently told them that they'd only be marching some of the way and then they'd get picked up by a ship. This did not happen. Um, So they began like, okay, we'll continue marching with you. But they jacked up their price a bit more. And but that was more money than Eaton actually had on him. So when they rendezvoused with a supply ship on the coast, Eaton had to ask the captain if he had any spare money. Uh, so he could pay the, the mercenaries. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Lest the entire plan go to shit, and one of the mercenaries almost certainly shoots him in the face for being an asshole. Now, this led to the only large-scale ground combat in the entire war with the Battle of Derna. Uh, Eaton got to the gates of the city of Derna and demanded its surrender. Mustafa Bey, the city's administrator, refused, telling him to go away. The Navy, in the form of the U.S. Argus, was brought in uh, to give the attacking force fire support. And then it did something that I assumed could only happen in Acme cartoons. Oh, boy. Now, they begin bombarding the city, uh, but you know, this isn't a very big gun ship. Not like there's rotating turrets and easy ways to fix things. It's the 1800s. So this ship... One of the crewmen loaded the cannons and then fired the ramrod clear into the city. All right. This happened to be one of two ramrods, it seems, that the ship had. (laughs) Oh. So. Didn't need it anyway. We got a backup. I would like to assume this, like, metal rod flew through the city and just impaled some guy, like, out of a cartoon. But that's probably probably just cartwheeled off into the distance. What a hell of a way to die. (laughs) You're like. So the Argus' uh, fire rate dropped drastically because they, you know, uh, I don't know, acme the fucking ramrod into the distance. And uh, so then the ground force began to assault the city of Derna. And it turned out that mercenaries are not a good way to build an army because they realized that this is not worth their paycheck uh, because they were doing a frontal assault against an entrenched enemy which had walls and cannons and shit. And one flank was the Marines with the Greeks. Marines and friends. Yeah, the, the Greeks decided, you guys go on about this by yourself. We're going to be back here. Uh, and they just turned around and ran. Now, this probably would have ended with the triumphant murder of nine Marines if uh, the Arab mercenaries did not save them. Because uh, you're welcome. They looked at uh, the, uh, the, the flank of the city and realized that, huh, everybody's just shooting at the Marines. Nobody's even looking over here. And they simply walked into the city unopposed. Well, thanks for the distraction, boys. The Arab mercenaries effectively took the city. Don't tell the Marine Corps that. Almost immediately, Tripoli heard about this and sent reinforcements. But by the time they had gotten there, the battle was already over because, you know, transmission of information is very slow. They dug in outside the town uh, and they would eventually attempt an unsupported frontal assault onto the town themselves a few weeks later on May 13th, uh, which I do have to admit this is quite ballsy uh, because, you know, it's mercenaries and Marines behind a defended city with their own cannons now. Uh, right. So when they, and not to mention the Argus, which had fixed the ramrod problem by now, so they could pour full supporting fire onto the attacking Tripoli reinforcements. I mean, can I fairly call these guys pirates? They're on land. Land pirates? Land pirates. Yeah, Land pirates. Uh, so the, the counterattack was completely annihilated. Now with that, 
the road to Tripoli was wide open for Decatur and Eaton, uh, you know, the commander in chief Eaton to march through full on with naval fire support with a few professional soldiers and replace the Pasha. Because again, you know, they were fighting a loose collection of pirates. Right. Like they could probably do a lot of damage with this small army, uh, sure. mostly with the fire support. Um, as Eaton and his force were setting out to march from Derna to Tripoli, someone rode up on a horse and told them, hey, man, you can turn around. The war's over. War's over. Going home. Go home. Bye. Yep. See ya. Now, Jefferson, seeing this war dragging on for no fucking point and costing a ton of money, mind you, um, that they still did not have and not really accomplishing anything, sent a diplomat named Tobias Lear, who had actually previously been... <laughs> George Washington's personal secretary um, mm. to go talk to the Pasha and end this whole thing. Right. It turned out the negotiating piece is very easy when nobody wants the war to go on. Uh, well, the U.S. offered the Pasha 60 grand, which, remember, was way back what they were originally going to offer him that he turned down. Uh, he offered him $60,000, giving back all of his prisoners of war. Potatoes. And uh, some piss whiskey and potatoes to end the conflict, (laughs) as well as all other tributes. And, of course, uh, they'd have to release the crew of the Philadelphia, who is still in jail in the consulate. Yeah, Curly Rex (laughs) carving out fuck the cowboys. (laughs) Yeah. And now the only counter offer to this that uh, the Pasha had was like, okay, but you have to send my idiot brother back to Egypt. And they did. (laughs) Yeah. Where do you want us to put him? And Eaton spent pretty much the rest of his life pissed about this entire thing and like insisting that Lear had robbed him of his military glory. Oh, okay, guy. Now, on June 10th, 1805, the treaty would be signed, and that would be it, at least for 10 years, and the start of the, and the, start of the Second Barbary War, because the same exact shit started again. And uh, within two years, Algiers would be kidnapping Americans and stealing shit once again. The only reason why it took until 1815 for the Second War to start is because America was a little busy getting their teeth kicked in during the War of 1812. We are going to burn Toronto to the ground a second time. (laughs) Now, there has been a few urban legends that have sprung up from this war, as you can imagine, mostly centering on the U.S. Marines. Uh, It's fun, though. It's a fun mythos. I'll give them that. like they they truly trace what you consider their their modern lineage uh, to the Battle of Derna. Um, there's a little bit before then, but like this is like they made them forged in the Battle of Derna. Yeah, now, for starters, uh, all right. There's one story that says L- Lieutenant O'Bannon was gifted a Mamluk sword from an Ottoman viceroy as like a prize for being such a stalwart and brave military leader. Now, obviously, you can already tell this is bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the story goes on that this sword was so famous that oh, this boy. is the sword that the Marines modeled their ceremonial swords for to this day. Mm-hmm. Small problem with this, though. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking evidence this ever happened. No, of course it's not, dude. <laughs> the first mention I could find in anything was in 1917, which you know is over 100 years after the end well, of the Well, actually, battle. the sword was at the Battle of Bellu Wood, Joe. <laughs> yeah, on its own. It was armed with a Tommy gun uh, somehow. Sentient, sentient sword with a Tommy gun. The, the first historical mention I could find of this, which I found through the, in the Marine Corps' own historical program, who now admits that this did not happen, was again in 1917 for a very small newspaper, the Louisville Courier. <laughs> now, I think that's because that's where O'Bannon was from. Sure. 
According to the issue of Fortitudine, the uh, the official newsletter of the Marine Corps Historical Program, dated summer of 1984, the sword of the Marine thought was the real sword, which was in a museum, was actually a Victorian era forgery of an Ottoman sword. So that's fun, job, though, right? It's like it's it's yeah, cool. It's, it's cool mythos it's, building. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have a mystical fucking sword like Excalibur, but it's actually like a Victorian era Bud K knife. <laughs> we just got it from a guy. Now, what's much more likely to have happened here is that Marine swords, if you look at them, look an awful lot like every other kind of fucking military sword in Europe. And they said, let's use those. It's probably what happened. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the first Barbary War. There's no good way to end this one. Um, but yeah, it's. We'll do the second Barbary War later. I, did, I thought about doing them as a series, and then I decided not to. Because, uh, again... Thank you, for, thank you for sparing me. That one will also take only an episode. Uh, There's not a lot oh, to okay. it. It's actually not as dumb as this one, um, but it is still funny. But, yeah, uh, to the from the shores of Tripoli and, and whatnot, there's the first Barbary War. Um, there you go. Liam, we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. Yes, Joe. Um, if you would like to ask a question from the Legion, donate to the show uh, and send me a message on Patreon. Join the very large Patreon thread we have going on asking us questions from the Legion or ask us on Discord, which you can also gain access to by donating to the show. Um, only a dollar, really. Uh, but very cool community. Come in and join it. But anyway, today's question is, um, what if you were to form... A government. I know exactly what the fuck caused this question too. <laughs> if you were to form a government based on your favorite sports team, what kind of government would it be? Uh, oh, it'd be bad. Uh, <laughs> it'd be really bad. What we would do is is raise children to fight constantly. Uh, the strongest children get to eat. The weakest children die. Uh, from there, they would be sent into some sort of weird training camp. Where they just be beaten over the head until they developed uh, some sort of CTE, and then uh, sent into the land to d- devour the cowboys. I think that's how Doctor Oz got elected. Okay, first of all, he didn't get elected. <laughs> anyway, uh, rewind this back when he wins the primary, and I can tell you, I tell the future. He won a primary or something. He did uh, win the primary. Yeah. Fuck, mine would be some kind of like Democratic Detroit Red Wingsism, which. I think just means spending a lot of money to hire Europeans to do my job. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> working smarter, not harder, Joe. Liam, America needs a captain. The captain. Vote Steve Eiserman. Yeah. All right. Um, anyway, Liam, plug your shows. Uh, yeah. Listen to uh, 10,000 Losses. It's a left-wing Philly sports podcast. And listen to... Uh, What's my other one called? Well, there's your problem. It's a left-wing engineering disasters podcast. And when you can't remember what it's called, it's what is my problem? What if what what many? <laughs> Everybody, thank you for listening. Um, if you like a show, buy consider donating to it. Buy stuff from our Teespring store. Buy his books. Is that all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of ran out of juice there, Joe. I'm tired. Uh, consider donating to the show or uh, leaving us a review or both or neither. It's your free time and money. Do with it what you wish. And until next time. Um, Don't drink the piss whiskey. Drink the piss whiskey. Please don't.